Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, December 30th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well as Instagram at Poets and Muses. Our guest poet for this week's episode is Tamika. Before we turn to our guests, I'm going to go over the poetry-related events taking place during the week of December 31st. On Monday, December 31st, from 9 to 1 a.m., the flannel ball will be happening at Roosevelt Grow House, which is at 1025 North 2nd Street. The event will feature over 50 Phoenix area artists, including Jano, who was the winner at the last Phoenix Poetry Slam. On Tuesday, New Year's Day, from 8 to 11 p.m., King Kong is hosting the Underground Experience, taking place at 2601 on Central Avenue at, you guessed it, 2601 North Central Avenue. If you want to get on the mic, make sure to get there and sign up by 7.30. On Wednesday, January 2nd, from 7 to 11 p.m., Poetic Soul Phoenix, will be taking place at Club Downtown, which is at 702 North Central Avenue. On first Friday, January 4th, Latoski will be hosting his feature artists at Rise Coffee from 7 to 10.30 p.m., which is at 918 North 5th Street. Even though I don't normally tell you about events past one week in advance, I'm going to tell you about this January 11th event because the early bird pricing ends on January 1st. It's on January 11th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. hosted by the My Beauty Within Movement at the Onyx Art Gallery. That's at 1346 West Roosevelt Street, Suite A in Phoenix. You can find out more about the event at ilovethisjourney.com. One of the poets from this event will be coming to chat with us in an upcoming episode. And now let's turn our attention to our feature poet of the week, Tamika, or Dr. T. Welcome to Poets and Muses. Tamika, thank you for joining us. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I have been writing poetry for a long time. <laughs> I've only been sharing it maybe about the last, since uh, about college, but I've been writing for a very long time. Um, but I wasn't writing for it to be shared. I was writing for it to be for myself, mm-hmm. uh, to be therapy for me and a lot of different things that I went through in my youth. Uh, my journal was, I, I kept many journals. They were the only thing that I could turn to to really express my frustration, my sadness, my hopes, my dreams. And I went to an open mic in high school uh, I went to Southern High School, and I got to see an open mic, and it made me start it. It made me start writing in a way that could be spoken, because you have written poems and you have spoken word, and they're written very differently. Mm-hmm. And so I started, even though I wasn't sharing it, I started writing the poems so that they could be spoken if I ever wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually start doing spoken word until college and I got brave enough to to show it because before then I didn't think that anything I had to say was important mm-hmm. uh, and that who would care right who who would care what this little young black girl had to say about anything and so once I shared it it opened it opened me and it it, it made me realize how wrong I actually was mm-hmm. and that what I had to say was very important mm-hmm. yep um and now you, I understand you also use your writing or leverage that experience in your work. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, through my company, Savvy Pen, I get to create uh, different writing workshops. I get to create training and development. So I look at diversity, multicultural. But my passion with Savvy Pen is working with schools and creating educational programs. Mm-hmm. And we actually have an MLK Creative Writing Contest that I do every year. Great. And it's uh, the youth, it's it's from, this year I opened it up to third graders. Mm-hmm. So it's third through 12th grade. Wow. And there's four, up to six winners selected. Mm-hmm. And they get to write, it's a thousand words or less, either a poem, a story, or an essay about a dream they have for themselves or their mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. or what MLK Day means to them. 
Okay. And so it's uh, that'll close February third this year. So uh, it's it's open. And let's see, I, I always get every year a lot of people that reply. But using arts to me is helping to just break barriers, inspire you, and uplift people. Right. Our words have a way of connecting people if we use them right. Yes, it does. It does have this wonderful positive effect uh, if we use it right, as you said. And uh, speaking of the contest, you said it's closing soon. Um, is there a website where the young people, third through 12 graders, if you, they wanted to uh, enter, where should they go to? Yeah, definitely. They, uh, savvy Pin, so just Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, Pin.com. Uh, you can even find it on Facebook on the MLK Creative Writing Contest page. That's the name of it on Facebook. And you can download the app. You can even email me at MLK, mymlkcontest at gmail.com. And you can get it there. But on the website, you can download an application. And the app is great. The, the application, you can take a picture of it and send it. I know everyone doesn't have a fax machine. So <laughs> you can take a picture of your poems, send them, uh, the application itself, and, and send it all. But each winner gets $100. Um, we come to your school, present you with a nice goodie bag and a beautiful plaque, some oh. other fun goodies. And you get a chance to... Uh, share your poem or essay, your winning submission at a public event. So, nice. again, other people get to hear your amazing words. That's a w great way to really expose a young person to this world, the poetry world, and the possibility that it holds. Mm -hmm. And uh, when's the closing date again? It'll be February 3rd, 2019. Okay. So, and then well, about a week after that, we notify the winners. Great. Well, that's a fast turnaround. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I have a lot of good writers that help me <laughs> with, with editing everything. There's usually like a good 100 or 200 uh, submissions, so it can, it can get daunting. <laughs> but it's fun to see again like third graders fourth graders fifth graders the amazing things that they write right and you just just marvel like I was not doing this in third and fourth grade <laughs> writing these amazing pieces but it, they I'm always surprised and wowed mm -hmm. nice nice so you heard it February 3rd send your applications before then mm -hmm. and now we turn to Tamika's poem which she brought with um, with her today which is the interview I am not my hair would you like to read that for us, please? Yes, definitely. Thank you. And this is a kind of a story poem. So all of you poets, if you have poems that are maybe longer and you think of a story, this is kind of a story type of poem. The interview seemed to be going great. I was polite and courteous, remembered to shake hands, look the interviewer in the eye, and answer each question in a way that showed off my experience and knowledge. This job was basically mine. Suddenly, the interviewer leaned forward cautiously and said, I have one more question. She fidgeted with her pencil as if she was nervous about the question, which made me nervous about the question. Then she took a deep breath and asked, Do you expect to wear any ethnic hairstyles like braids or head wraps in the future? Thrown off by her question, I said, Excuse me? Are you referring to the way I wear my hair? Smiling nervously, she said, <laughs> Yes, you, you know that song, I rock rock and stuff with my Afro puffs? <laughs> well, we don't allow Afro puffs, braids, or any of those ethnic hairstyles worn by your people in our office. We've had clients complain about it in the past, so we decided to restrict it as a company policy. <laughs> I hate to even mention it, but I'd rather let you know up front before you come into the office and face an unpleasant conversation. I sat there, completely speechless, wondering if I was on candid camera and someone was going to pop out any moment and scream, gotcha! But the look on her pensive face, waiting for her response, I realized that this was anything but a joke. I had never realized that my dream job would come at the expense of my choice in hairstyles. What's next? Was she going to dictate that I not wear any ethnic clothing or jewelry? Where did it end? Why was it that my qualifications and experience were not enough? I thought about the years I had spent preparing for this moment. 
Was a hairstyle really worth letting the opportunity slip through my fingers? If I said no, would I be able to look at myself in the mirror, knowing that I'd compromised who I am just to get ahead? As I fixed my mouth to answer, a woman with bright pink highlights in her curly blonde hair poked in to ask a question, then left, simmering inside because I knew she'd never been asked this question. I looked at the interviewer and replied, my experience and knowledge in this industry comes from being able to fully express myself. So if this company cannot handle that kind of expression, then you don't deserve to have someone of my caliber. Seeing the look of shock on the interviewer's face as I picked up my bag to leave was worth every word. There would always be other jobs, but my self-worth was priceless. Walking out of that building, I felt taller and prouder than ever, singing, I am not my hair, I am not the skin, I am not your expectations, no. I am not my hair, I am not the skin, I am the soul that lives within. Thank you for reading that book to us. Um, it's, it's so different, as I mentioned to you before, listening to a piece than reading a piece. For instance, uh, you know, when I was reading the part I am not my hair, I am not my skin, I am not your expectation, and so forth. I have thought, wait a minute, she's distancing herself from <laughs> all that she is, all that is wonderful, as if, you know, there's something wrong with it, whereas there isn't. Mm -hmm. It's part of who we are, and it's something that, you know, the texture of our hair is comes from thousands of years of natural selection that helps us to live in the environment that we did and we do. So for, you know, somebody to somehow just not be able to understand that African-American hair, it's just really curly hair. You know, it's, it's just, it seems silly. And especially now that we have so much science behind it, we understand it better. You know, it's, it just seems insane. So, so and, and explain again, um, you said you had said that this is somebody else's song. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not too familiar with Yeah, that. so this song, India Ari, I love her, and she has a song, and that's the hook for her song is, mm -hmm. um, and she says, I am not my hair. And, and, and you're right, it, if you just read it and you see, you listen to, you read the words, I am not my hair, I am not this skin, you are correct. You would, you would want to scream and yell, no, no, you are your hair, your hair, everything about you is great, right? But it's, it's in this poem, it's, it's me saying, I am more than just my hair. Right. I am more than just my skin. I am the soul that lives within, and all of this is me. And if you accept me, you have to accept all of that, right? That's right. And you can't just pick at my hair or pick at my skin and choose to accept one or and reject something else. You have right. to accept all of it. But in this particular instance, with the interviewer, they wanted my potential. They mm -hmm. wanted what they saw on my resume, right. but they didn't want my hair, which was a part of me. I couldn't just take my hair off and, and walk into the interview and do the job without yeah. being, because like I said, I wouldn't be able to look at myself. If I knew I'd compromise a part of who I am, mm -hmm. which my hair and being able to wear it any way I choose, mm -hmm. that's a part of me. That's my creativity, right? That's and right. so that's when I, when I left that interview, and this is a, a real story um, that happened to me in college. One of my first career jobs that I was like, my dream job, I was so excited to go get. And that was the question. Um, I had went through several interviews. This was probably like the last interview before I, they accepted me. Mm -hmm. And she asked that question and, and I literally was completely thrown off. And, and I did for a moment think about it. Should I, should I just lie and say, no, I'm never, this is the way I do my hair. I'm never going to wear those types of things. But then I thought at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to look at myself if I lie and I compromise who I am. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it, and that India Ari song, I love it. If you ever get a chance, um, Google India Ari and, and just put in that I am not my hair, you will, the song is beautiful. <laughs> okay, well.
break. Yeah, uh, we do actually post songs that mm -hmm. that inspire poetry or part of poetry. Uh, we will include that as part of our SoundCloud. Uh, I think over the past few years, there has been a lot of articles about how the military is policing African American here. Um, obviously, the entertainment industry. Um, there's the question of appropriation or or fashion industry as well, where uh, white people donate African-American hairstyles are called cutting edge or something like that, whereas African-American people using their own hairstyle that they've used for centuries, you know, millennium, uh, or, uh, millennia are, are called somehow, uh, what, ghetto or... Mm -hmm. or uh, so there's that very negative connotation that sometimes I don't even know people realize they're, they're making those word choices. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, 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 it's amazing, it's so ingrained. And so it's really brave of you to have done what you did. And, and it's wonderful for you to have shared this story. And I love the contrast of how light the story is, how you know, the style of the story is so light, but in contrast to this incredibly important subject, mm -hmm. and very heavy subject, yeah. because how can you want to hire somebody, want their talent, mm -hmm. and want to get rid of part of them? That makes them them. Mm -hmm. Exactly, that yeah. makes them them. So what did you what did you do afterwards? What what job did you get when I walked out? Yeah, tell us. <laughs> you know, that it was one of those moments, but you know what? Because I was top caliber and I, and I was mm -hmm. a, a very great candidate. Like the next day, I had three or four more interviews. People calling me for interviews. Nice. Um and it was doing like broadcasting and um doing a lot of public relations. And so in public relations, they want a very clean, conservative um, look. And, and they were afraid that my hair was too, too, too wild, or they liked it this way, but they didn't want me to come in with like, a, an, a, you know, an Erica Badu rap or, you know, braids or anything that they thought was too ethnic. And so, and they wanted it really, they wanted my hair to be straight. So I'd have to perm it or straighten it. They didn't want this, this was too much for them. And so I, it, it was amazing. I was, I'm so happy to this day I walked out. But when I, when I read this poem now, when I when I wrote this poem, even though I was recalling a memory from college, it made me think about now. There's there's kids that aren't able to go to graduation unless they cut their hair, or if they wear braids, they're getting kicked out, they're getting suspended for twists, for locks, for Afro puffs, like all the styles that we as 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 African people we wear to kind of maintain our hair because our hair is a lot. Like it's, there's a lot that we do with our hair, and sometimes braids and twists and it's, it's a way to, to keep your hair, to maintain it and make right. it look nice and neat. Yeah. But other people, you know, assume something negative about it. And mm -hmm. kids now are getting suspended, sent home, uh, and it's happening K through 12. And it's just crazy, but the politics of hair, and it's only us. And like I said, other kids that are white, they can come in there with green, purple, yellow, rainbow hair. They are not getting suspended. But our kids that are wearing braids and twists and dreads and Afro puffs, they're getting suspended and kicked out because their hair is a distraction. Now you tell me, what's more of a distraction, pink and green hair or braids and twists, right? Right, right. It's not like braids don't exist in other kinds exactly. of hairs. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, I remember wanting to get braids at some point, just like a full yeah. head of braids. Mm -hmm and realizing how much time that would cost. And, yes. and also for me, I was in publishing then, and publishing does not pay. So <laughs> I think it still doesn't pay, but you know, I was very poor. And, and I was thinking, oh my God, you want this much money? So, I mean, <laughs> if we think about all the maintenance that goes into it, yeah. um, how can you think of it as something that's unkept, mm -hmm. yes. which is not? Yes. Right. It's very, it's a lot of maintenance, you're right. Right, right. And it's just, it, yeah, it's, I, I don't understand why the policing, it, it, it numbs me when I think about it. And now that I have young kids and they have curly hair too, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what is it going to be like for them when they go to school? And what am I going to say when I, you know, a teacher tries to send them home or tell them they need to cut their hair or straighten their hair? Um, 
even in the workplace, when I, when I wasn't working for myself, I used to, people would say, oh, you know what, Tamika, you're never going to get a promotion with your hair like that. You should really straighten it. Um, so I would have other women and sometimes women of color telling me this because they, they, they had conformed. They had chosen to conform. I have teachers. I, I teach sometimes in the academic world and I get K through 12 teachers also saying, hey, my hair is is a problem. I the principal, the parents, other they don't take me serious because of things that I do with my hair, and I'm just like that makes no sense to me. Your hair should not be your credibility, right? Mm -hmm. It's your actions, it's what you do, but we're we that is becoming another layer for people to 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 kind of put a wall up and say you're not allowed here, right. and it's it's sad because it's it's happening everywhere in the workplace and schools and it's just getting worse. <laughs> right, right. It is it is really sad because of all the things that really warrant our attention yes. that we're not paying attention but to, but hair. <laughs> right. I mean, it is an extension to me of what um, this idea of controlling other people and yes. wanting to con continue this control mm -hmm. over other people and, and might not even, uh, it's likely to be very um, subconscious and not realized. And no, I feel like I, the control, I think, I think you're right, I think you're definitely on it, but I feel like they know exactly what they're doing. Um, they want everything a certain way, they want everyone to look a certain way, act a certain way, but people don't look like that, right? We, right. no matter how much we tried, we would all not look the same, act the same. Right. We just were not built that way. Nobody. And when you force people to do that, you're like driving out the creative part of them. You're you're driving out the part of us that makes us unique, um, that helps us look at the world differently, solve problems, and exactly. it's a problem. You know, it it, it's almost like them taking arts out of schools and just practicing. You know, the math, the English, the science, and that's it. But I'm like, but even you know, even math science, and science, you. It's the imagination, creativity, creativity. Right? and without that perspective, yes. without that yes. individual perspective, right. yes. we wouldn't be able to have the great literature uh -huh. that we do, even yeah. if we're just looking at the classical mm -hmm. canon. Yeah. It's out it's of still. individuality. It does. And, and I always tell people, I'm like, you want to you wanna say STEM and say science, technology, engineering, math. I was like, but you need STEAM. You need the A in there because yes. science, without dreaming big and about having imagination, there is no science. Whoever would have thought about a big metal plane flying in the sky, right? That seems ridiculous. Yes. But that was a dream. And then they use science to help them make it real right. but without the imagination first the creativity to think and say i want to do this now how can i make it happen they would have never done it um going into space and using math and all science all that to get there but they're they're taking those things out saying oh you just need to focus on this math this science this english and that's it no pe no 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 yeah they don't even have pe anymore they they don't really have any arts and dance a lot of schools are cutting all of that and then they're wondering why students can't sit still in their seats. Because even adults, we don't like sitting still for eight hours in a day. We have to get up, we take breaks, and you want children to do this. And it's like, you need to give them back that creative part of themselves and, and the, that, that kind of agency in their learning, but we're not doing it. And again, it comes down to control. And so it's hair, it's how we go to school, it's, it's everything, and it's... It's it's sad. It breaks my heart every time I think about it. But it does it does. This is helping you have a voice and say, you know what? I reject this. I'm not going to do this. I am an individual. I do have a voice. You will listen to me, mm -hmm. um, and and we can change it if you know if I know other people think like this, and we all start getting together. One voice turns into many, and you cannot be ignored. And so yeah, it's a powerful tool for yeah. you. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's what our country lacks at the moment is the respect for individual perspectives, individuality. I think we're moving towards that in some ways. You know, there's a tug, a tug and pull in, in many ways. Um, but um, I, I think a lot more people realize, especially the younger generation, realize how important it is to respect that individuality and, and not you know, we are supposed to be the country of individuals, yeah. right? Um, but um, that goes into your piece that you that you wrote. Do you oh, do you want to share it? Because your your piece is about that about that part of the humanity and the and that 
just that almost that control of what we do to other people. And Before we do that, I, I would love to just ask you a couple of follow-ups about this, your poem. Um, when did you decide to write this particular poem? What, what was the moment like, you know, you, you said you have had many, many different experiences. So what was the impetus to bring this poem onto the page? This one, I was actually, it was my first time uh, featuring at Wordplay Cafe, one of the, the open mics I like to go to, um, that's on the second Thursday of, I'm sorry, yeah, the second Thursday of each month, and I was the feature, and the topic uh, was anger, mm -hmm. and I had, this was, but anger, I wanted to talk about anger in a, in a empowering way versus mm -hmm. like an anger that like shuts you down and you can't do anything all you see is red right. um and I thought this was one of the the times in my life that I had I, I literally I was I was so angry mm -hmm. and I was upset and shocked and and I was angry at the interviewer but I was also angry at myself even though I had no reason to be angry at me but angry a part of me was like oh, you just turned down this dream job just for some hair what are you, are you stupid you know but then I also was like how dare that interviewer ask me something like that mm -hmm. how can they want my potential but they don't want the rest of me right um and so it was a perfect, I had never, I'd never known how to write down that experience in a poem. It just didn't fit right. Mm -hmm. But as a story, it worked. And I was able to actually tell it um, like a story from the beginning, you know, and, and talk about how the interview was going and then put you in the moment exactly how I felt that, right. oh, it was great. And then all of a sudden, here comes this question, right? right. And so that, that made me, it gave me an opportunity to tell, to share this experience and put it into words, something that again had happened a long time ago and mm -hmm. when I got out of college, but I just never wrote about it because I didn't have the words, I didn't have a way to, to write it. So that was, um, that's, that's what it, and I was again thinking about topics going on right now about um, just about the politics of hair. Right. And so that, and then looking at news, it made me bring those two things together and go, you know what, I need to, I need to write this. This is something that needs to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, because even though it happened a long time ago, it's still happening today. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it gave it life. <laughs> great, great. And since you're doing, you know, uh, with Savvy Penn, you're mm -hmm. doing educational programs mm -hmm. and schools and you're seeing this problem with yes. policing and you're worried about your children's future. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you uh, doing or planning to do some programs that sort of address this issue and maybe open people's eyes to this almost um, almost unconscious bias against to somebody's hair. <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of my work, besides just my writing workshops, I do a lot of diversity training and multicultural training uh, and cultural competency <laughs> training mm -hmm. with educators. And, and that's K through 12, even college, and then even on the business side, because mm -hmm. I have a lot of um, businesses that come to me because they want to expand overseas or expand in a new market, but they don't even understand the audience, right. uh, the people that they're trying to market with, or the, the business people they're trying to partner with, and mm -hmm. understanding that culture and that diversity. Yeah. Um, so that's my way uh, of, of working with the adults, because the youth get it. They get it. They, they have many multicultural friends. Like, they understand. Um, even though sometimes children are still cruel, and they make fun of differences, and we have <laughs> lots of bullying, yes. they, they, they get it a lot more than the adults, mm -hmm. um, because the adults, we've, we've kind of we're kind of set in our ways and we don't want to change mm -hmm. and youth still have that time so I figure I have a two-front battle I work with the adults to, to look at that um, to, to, to bring that in when I do diversity trainings and cultural competency and multicultural I bring those examples in about hair and about clothing and about right. stereotypes and perceptions right. um, and then culture like coming from another country and then with youth, I do the different writing workshops, and I get to ask them those kinds of questions in the That's workshop, wonderful. thinking like, you know, what does boy mean to you? What does girl mean to you? What does black mean to you? What does Hispanic, Latino? And we write. And so they get to explore their own stereotypes, their own biases that they didn't even know that they had yes. in, a, in a very interesting way that's, that's comfortable. They don't have to... Um, 
yeah, just a comfortable way and it's a safe space. And then they can look at that and go, oh man, I didn't even know I thought about black people this way or women this way or men this way or Latinos and Hispanic people this way or Asian or any, you know, indigenous people. And so that's the way I kind of um, do it. I always use the creative aspect though because I feel like that's a, that's a safe space and it allows people to come at things without the judgment that you normally would if you ask that question somewhere else or in a different way. Yeah, and also through creative you know, processing, uh, I think behaviorally people are more likely to adapt to this new concept or open themselves to self-questioning mm -hmm. and, and improvement mm -hmm. and, and rather than somebody saying, oh, you're doing this wrong. Exactly. So, so I think it, it's a very effective way of changing behavior or moving behavior toward a way that's much more accepting. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's wonderful. I, I really appreciate that because as you said, I've had the experience at work where oh, uh, a few years ago, uh, they were going to, especially China, and they look at me and they're like, you want to go work in China? I'm like, uh, you don't even know if I speak the language. Do you think Chinese people are going to give you a contract just because you present an Asian face in there front of go. them? They're going to think you're insulting them. Uh -huh. I mean, and these are some of the top big companies, <laughs> big companies that supposedly hire some of the brightest people. I'm like, this tripping, you know, <laughs> you're tripping over this huge blind spot. And part of me, right, um, you know, as you were saying before, it's about um, biases to me is assumptions, taking assumptions to unreasonable places. Yeah. And so we need to look at them and we need to realize we all have make assumptions yes. and we need to just accept that, that that's part of being human. Mm -hmm. So I um, recognize when we're doing it so we can not hurt people that we don't mean to hurt, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And not be like, oh, me? No, I cannot possibly be pre prejudiced against it. No, yeah. anybody can be prejudiced <laughs> against anyone. They, they might not know they're doing it. Right. It might be inadvertent, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the thing that we need to address so that it doesn't become mm -hmm. uh, an insidious, uh, intentional yeah. hatred. Yeah. Speaking of hatred. <laughs> We're going to go to my poem, Equal Footing, which I will read to you now. Equal Footing. Look at this face, so foreign, though we each have the same features, two eyes, one nose, one mouth, but you choose to focus on the subtle differences. Higher cheekbones must mean I cannot be trusted, and picanthic eyelids, though similarly hooded, like so many Hollywood starlets, can never represent this country, though its First Nations share the same. Perhaps you don't want that reminder of the massacres your ancestors committed. So keep me foreign. Let your distance ease the pain of being reminded. Though you live on the bounty those massacres netted, brought to fruitful harvest, by the sweat and tears of forced migrants ceaselessly feeding this land, whose labor you take while you spit on their survival like flowers that push through concrete, though you call them weeds. Though some who consider yourselves enlightened would scramble to grab a token, a trophy to assuage the suspicion that your unpracticed liberal ethics may now be an anachronistic relic. If you need to select one pet over another, perhaps your heart is more closed than open. Perhaps your mind needs a dusting from years of neglect without revisiting those moors touted as progressive without truly examining their hidden roots in the noble savage. A Janus minted on the same coin secures the hierarchical ideal, a ladder built to reach your desired pinnacle, where everyone must fit into their allotment with your perception a measurement, more real to you than our reality, comfortably nestled in the back of your mind, gathering cobwebs while you congratulate your achievement on the diversity of including one amongst many, paving over our struggles for recognition, 
neglecting our homeless identities, your power struggles often created too foreign for your acceptance, too distant to our ancestral brethren. All right, thank you so much for sharing that piece. I I'm so in love with it, and thank you with what's going on today. It's in 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 our world today with all of the, the conflict and and the the atrocities our government is doing right now um, to people all over the world. It's so relevant. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write the poem? Well, many things. Um, of all the poems I have, this particular one is sort of an amalgamation of a lot of experiences, especially living in the U.S., um, being an Asian, living in the U.S., um, I feel like I'm seen as foreign all the time. Um, and that foreignness carries to when I travel abroad as well, because people will ask me where I come from, and I said, U.S., and they're like, where are your ancestors from? I mean, even outside the U.S., I'm like, for God's sakes, can I never shake this? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's very frustrating, because I've lived in the U.S. for twice the amount of time I lived in Asia. Right. So <laughs> just like, uh, when do I finally earn my right to be thought of as a U.S. citizen? Yeah. And there, in itself, it has some insidiousness to it, because Asians has this sort of positive stereotypes associated mm -hmm. with it, mm -hmm. so that many people don't think of us as being prejudiced against. Um, some, some of us are quiet, um, and so maybe people don't hear us as much when we get angry, but it's not uh, two of the most populous countries are in Asia, and we're not always the most peaceful of people, so we're not <laughs> always quiet, and we're not always going to let you just, like, walk over us. Yeah. So, and on top of that, I'm American, damn it. Yes. <laughs> they recognize that, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, it came uh, out of that. And similar to your piece, uh, sometimes, you know, you never know when that amalgamation of anger and experience and being stepped on just comes out. Yes. And I had uh, gotten a rejection over something and I, I just decided to write this poem and it just <laughs> came out. Um, I, I sometimes describe my writing as... Um, Exorcism. You know? <laughs> yes, it feels like that sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. And you kind of feel good up. Yeah, you know? you're like, oh, oh yeah, okay. I exercise that demon. Yeah, we can go on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. And there's there's a, a piece that, that you say, and, and I'm going to read it, where you say, Perhaps you don't want that reminder of the massacres your ancestors committed. So keep me foreign. Let your distance ease the pain of being reminded. When you, when you wrote that, were you, it reminds me of all the times people ignore the horrible things that happen to other cultures, you know. Um, they'll try to say, oh, you know, slavery didn't exist, the Trail of Tears didn't exist, oh, you know, Asian, um, different um, from people from China and Asia and Indonesia, other, oh, they weren't here working on railroads, and, you know, <laughs> they didn't do all that, we did that, we paid them, right? <laughs> um, and, and they just dismiss those things or they say, oh, racism doesn't exist anymore, you got a black president. You're fine, um, and and you with that line, you you hit it. It just just by saying let um, let your distance ease the pain of being reminded that these things happened, right? And how when when you wrote that, what were you? What, was that your intent? Were you thinking about that when you wrote that that kind of piece? That section. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, I think you, you did hit, hit the nail on the head uh, in that there is a part of, uh, there are people who don't want to be reminded of the atrocities in our country's history. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that some of our successes are built on uh, blood and tears. Mm -hmm and the exploitation of others. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways I understand because I don't want to take any, uh, let's say any white person for mm -hmm. instance, and just say, well, you, because of you, you know, I'm <laughs> right. suffering this, which is not true. Right. Because they, you know, uh, immigration mm -hmm. continues to happen. We don't know what 
when this person came to this country. We don't know what their ancestry is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, some time ago, um, and and even now, Mm -hmm. slavery actually Mm -hmm. is a thing, and it does happen. Mm -hmm. So we have to recognize that that intersectionality. At the same time, there are segments of the population, even people who consider themselves liberal, Mm -hmm. will not look at some of the blind spots that they have, speaking of blind spots before. It's it's about looking at blind spots, Mm -hmm. and that's why when I'm talking about, you know, like uh, unpracticed liberal ethics, mm-hmm. I'm talking about that. Um, you know, people who consider themselves liberal and basically just put that on the shelf and never look at it mm-hmm. again and see maybe now it's not really progressive anymore, okay. those ideas. Okay. So it's, it's important to um, look at, you know, look at ourselves all of us look at ourselves and see where we can keep up with the times and, mm-hmm. and, and do better in, in many ways. Right, because if we don't, we're just gonna invisibilize people. When it amazes me when people say things like, "Oh, um, you know, you should just get over that. Oh, racism. Oh, just get over it." Or, "Or you know, I don't see color." And and you, it. it, it you really want to laugh because you know they see color. They know they see the same news that we watch, right? right? So they know what's going on. They know it's not equal. And they would not trade places with a person of color if they had that opportunity and they had a choice. They would never trade places. So they know the atrocities and they know the differences, but they choose to remain ignorant and ignore them and act like it's not happening, that everything's equal. Um, and so hearing a piece like this, what do you... What do you hope people will get out of it as far as just listening to it? Is there a message or something you want people to to get from, from just listening to this? I guess I want people to realize that, um, just try to remind themselves that Asians are part of the uh, American fabric, you know, and and you have brought in the railroad workers Mm -hmm. before, you know, Mm -hmm. they were brought in to break up unions. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, and it's actually really important to realize that they were brought in. For a purpose. And for a purpose. That they've been ignored. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to acknowledge that purpose. It's very important to, to have the unions to fight for people who, who might not be able to fight for themselves if they are just fighting individually. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I want people to acknowledge that aspect that we are Americans, mm-hmm. um, and that is not such a surprise, you know. <laughs> and and also to acknowledge um, just some of the some of the similarities mm-hmm. that we share, um, some of the pain points that mm-hmm. we share that. Just because you don't hear of maybe um, atrocities towards um, or, or police shootings of uh, Asian people, um, it, it has happened. It doesn't mean that you know we don't face prejudice as well. It might be a different kind of prejudice, right. and you know it, it is um, even positive stereotypes can be very hard to live up to. And the Asian community is not one homogenous block. Right. There are many Asians who are uh, quite uh, living below poverty lines and they don't get the help or they don't get the attention because people don't think they can be, right. which is kind right. of insane. Right, right. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, I, you know, none of us wants to be the worst most pre- no, most prejudiced against group, okay? Right. None of us want to win that prize here. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, it's it, still it's important to acknowledge for all of us and each other's um, pains that we all face because of whatever characteristics that, yeah. that unfortunately is not being appreciated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember um, in school, it it took all the way to college for me to have different kind of ethnic study classes. And I remember learning about the Japanese imprisonment camps and the native, the, I don't say native, I say indigenous boarding schools, Mm -hmm. but all of these things, like these horrible things that we've done to, to different people in this country, right? Um, Slavery, I'll, I'll always say that one, but, but those are shared experiences that indigenous people, African American people, um, 
um, our Japanese and, and Chinese brothers and sisters can think about because they understand what that feels like to have everything taken away from you mm-hmm. and, and not be, when you, when um, the, the people in the, in the Japanese imprisonment camps, they didn't get, they were in there until the war ended for years, a good four years or more. Mm-hmm. Didn't get any of their land, didn't businesses, homes, any of that. So no one helped with any of that. It just was so gone, much. right? And then, and no one said, thank you, sorry, just, okay, you're free now. Uh, and decades later. Decades, decades right? Decades later, it's like, sorry, Exactly, bye. sorry, bye. <laughs> and so, but those are the things in the country that we as people, I think, no one wants to look at the bad parts of, of our country. We, we, it's like unpatriotic to talk about the, the, the horrible things that we've done to people in this country, but we can't not talk about it because the hurt, the, the anger, all of that's still there. And like you said, people have profited off of that labor and that work and that blood and that sweat. Um, and, and, and then you wonder why people are angry. It's like because there was never any recognition, there was never an acknowledgement, there was never even an apology saying, I'm sorry, this happened. We just sweep it under the rug, take it out of our textbooks, and act like it never happened. Yeah, um, and acknowledge mm-hmm. uh, of pain mm-hmm. is so incredibly important. Um, maybe, you know, victims of any kind uh, cannot get that from those who victimize they them. They can never. Maybe they cannot do that, but having society recognize those pain, it, really is one of the first steps towards healing and without that that pain that wound is just going to fester and it's not going to be good for our society our society to move forward past this i mean if you're sick and tired of hearing the stories that's because it's not being addressed and on top of that it still happens still happens and and that's that's the problem and you know none of us like i said none of us want to win that award none of us want this to keep happening we want to get it addressed we want to to move on with our lives because We all want a good life. Right. And that is that is the common. We all want a good life. Yes. It's just the barriers for some of us to having just a regular, decent, good life are not always... those. The, the barriers are a lot harder for other people to get past. And so... Even having a life. life. Even having a life, yeah. Because <laughs> you could be in prison or somewhere else. And so it, it's, a, it's something that... It's one reason why I, I love... Poetry, storytelling, just being that creative kind of space and voice. Mm-hmm. Because I think your poem, writing pieces like this, hopefully it makes people see it and maybe hear it in a different way than maybe, you know, if someone's just yelling at them. Or, uh, but it, it, hopefully it's painting a picture and making them think about something in a different way to go, I never thought about that. Right. I didn't know. And so maybe after hearing this, that they can now maybe go out into the world and look, you know, and really see people, right? And not yeah. say I don't see color, but they really see people and say, wow, I didn't realize this. I'm, you may not be responsible for it, but you can help make it better, right? Yeah. Um, and that's all. It's, it's not saying you have to take the burden. It's just like, no, now that you know, do better. <laughs> exactly. Do better. It's like we don't, we can't, we don't have a time machine and we don't even know if we had a time machine, if we could change the right. past. What we do know is that we can do better in the future. Right. We always have the future, a better mm-hmm. future to work towards that. And we need to set that intention in order to try to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very important to do that. And, and I also wanted to acknowledge, even though this particular poem um, doesn't talk about the intersectionality of, of prejudice, that um, you know, it's not all about oh, oh, just white people being prejudiced against everybody else. Is that we are prejudiced against each other mm-hmm. as well? And it's so sad to me that um, that happens. At the same time, um, under understanding humanity, yes. it's, it's this is part of. Yeah. Some, some part of human nature to take advantage of whatever weak points uh, people see in each other. 
each other. That is true. And you're right. And, and that is sad. I, I feel that a lot. Sometimes I just see the different people of color and I'm like all the struggles that we've endured and our common struggles, instead of us fighting each other and hating each other, we need to be joining together and fighting the system that is, uh, that is hurting and oppressing us all versus fighting each other and saying, oh, well, you know, I struggled more than you did or, or my pain is more than, it's like, no, all pain is pain, right? It doesn't matter right. if it's a little bit or a lot, it hurts, you exactly. know? And, and when people and say that, it's going I'm like, away. no, no, you take that award, please. Take that award. Yeah. I don't want it. Right. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> want the most pain in the world, you know, award. And I don't think any group of people do. And so, but we, it, it starts with us at least acknowledging that these things are happening and hopefully opening the eyes of other people who try to close it and distance themselves and act like it never happened um, so that we can, again, start telling our own stories, rewriting the history, um, and having our, our things included in the textbook because it is all American history, right? Yeah. It's not just Asian American, African American, Latino American. It's like, it's American history yeah. and it doesn't need to be separated anymore. It needs to be. Yeah, it, it needs to be talked about. And you know, there, there's so much that we can learn from the First Nations. I, that's, that's more of a term that I think uh, Canada uses, mm -hmm. but I really like it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very respectful, yeah. and and I I like that. And there are some things that we can learn from their history, but we're not really learning it. And we need to learn that in order to um, really receive the knowledge that they have that's helping that help them for Generations. tens mm -hmm. of thousands of years mm -hmm. to live. Uh, you know, in harmony with the land, yeah. um, you know, knowing that uh, there, there are also, again, knowing the intersectionality of the different First Nations yeah. and knowing that some, some First Nations did very well with the land, some did not, but there are ones who learned, and if we don't learn those mm -hmm. histories, that we can't take the good into the future. And we're doomed to repeat all the horrible mistakes. <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently uh, repeating are. other countries' horrible mistakes oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thank you so much for sharing your piece and having me on. It's been amazing. I feel like I could talk to you all, yes, <laughs> all day. Yes, we can continue. But, yeah, <laughs> so, um, but thank you. Um, I definitely, wherever you share this, I know your audience is going to just be enlightened and and hopefully just thank you for bringing the topic to the surface and hopefully starting some conversations. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your piece. And I'm really happy to hear that you incorporate this experience into your work at Savvy Pen. And I'm looking forward to talking with you more about that in the future as well. Thank you. So you have a happy new year. You as well. Thank you. <laughs> You can follow Tamika at Savvy Pen, that's S-A-V-V-Y-P-E-N on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't forget the writing contest ends on February 3rd and it's open to 3rd through 12th graders in Arizona. It's called the MLK Creative Writing Contest on Facebook. And that concludes the second and last episode of our show in 2018. If you have any poetry-related events in the Phoenix, Arizona area, please let us know via SoundCloud, via Instagram, at Poets and Muses, and we'd be happy to include it in our next episode. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Have a happy and safe new year. And I look forward to speaking with you again in 2019.